Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best when tax time comes around? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. Good day. Welcome to another exciting show of the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge, enrolled agent. Today, we're going to see how taxes work and how you can think like a bank and make you a little bit more money with uh, Sari Ibrahim. But uh, we're just going to touch on here. You know how much I appreciate everybody that listens to this and goes after my tax planning and tax resolution and year-round tax services, which is something really unique because a lot of tax people don't do that year-round. So that's what makes my services very unique and why you can contact me at success at cashtracksfinancial.com or call me. This gets uh, to me most of the time anyway, 844-394-4287. You can learn all about me going at cashtracksfinancial.com where we're going to resolve tax issues if you have them. And we're going to work to even help you not even have the tax issues anymore once we get help you resolve them. But let's... Uh, not uh, hold up anymore. Let's jump right into our uh, thinking like a bank and saving in taxes today with uh, Sari Ibrahim, an MBA. Now he hosts his own podcast, which is called Thinking Like a Bank, which is a very fascinating podcast because it really gives you a new perspective or a different perspective on accumulating wealth and sets aside some of the, I will just say, normal uh, advice that a lot of uh, uh, advisors give out. It's certainly a good perspective. I certainly recommend everybody take a look. That even wrote his own book called Thinking Like a Bang. Very consistent there, Sari, how you do that there. And a very uh, nice gentleman who uh, helps real estate investors, business owners, retirees uh, to grow, protect wealth safely, and has a great reputation for putting clients first, which is one of the reasons I like talking to Sari and other individuals I have on the podcast, because that's my perspective. You got to put the client first. If you take care of the client, the client takes care of you, which is why I do what I do is to take care of the client there. And just like me, I love this. Sari prides himself on solving client problems, which that's why I solve tax problems. He solves wealth problems. So we, we're, on, we're on the same track there. And very useful, purpose, purposeful investment strategy. So I just want to welcome you to the program today, Sari, and say, how are you doing there? Hey, Marcelino, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to speak to you in the audience today. Yes, it's always a joy to come together here. So why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about uh, your your background and how you come into this the whole process of of thinking like a bank. Yeah, so I, it's, it's a little bit unusual. I feel like this concept found me. I didn't really find this concept. Um, I, I started um, this journey when I was doing my MBA. I was about halfway through my MBA. And I got a job at Allstate Insurance. So I was helping mm-hmm. clients with um, insurance matters, like auto insurance, homeowners, commercial insurance. And I really liked it. I really liked it. Was, um, it wasn't what I expected. It was it was better than what I expected, actually, uh, talking to people. And I, and I know I noticed that a lot of conversations weren't so much about insurance, but rather how people felt about money and how they felt about their assets and the things that they needed and wanted. And that's kind of the approach that was kind of like the aha moment for me is what if I can make this into a career, not just the insurance or the end product, but more so of the speaking to people about their financial situations and what they want to accomplish. Maybe maybe that's what I want to do. So 
I figured that's exactly what I wanted to do. And then I, I merged more into the healthcare world uh, and the insurance side of the healthcare world, like Medicare and, and health insurance. And, and that was even more, more of a client relationship side, because not only does it have to do with their money, but also has to do with their health and them seeing doctors and the prescription drugs they're taking. So it, I, I started to learn more about like the psychology of money and, and how people relate to money and how they react. And really having an advisor, having somebody to work through with, mm -hmm. with the decisions they make is a big deal. And you know this, it's a big deal. That's mm -hmm. It's a bigger thing than just the technology you're using or the products you're selling. It's it's beyond that. Mm -hmm. um, so after yeah. that, at that point, I, was, I used to do a lot of research and I found a book um, upon my research called The Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. And this book talks about the strategy that Pamela Yellen invented called the Bank on Yourself concept. And I went through her program. I went, joined her organization, went through their program and became a Bank on Yourself professional. And this is exactly what I do now. So I help clients use the Bank on Yourself concept mm -hmm. uh, built for their business, for their real estate portfolio, or even if they're full-time employees and they want a safer place to grow their retirement funds. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I help with now. So I can get into more about what bank on yourself is and, and how that relates to the thinking like a bank concept, but that's how I kind of found it and, and why I'm doing what I'm doing today is to help people kind of plan outside of just the traditional Wall Street investments and more so for their own sake and their own sanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's really great. That's interesting. Your journey uh, through the insurance industry, because I kind of had a similar journey too. It just took me a different direction there. Um, yeah. yeah. There, except mine started with Mutual of Omaha, but still, it's it's interesting of how when you go into the like the insurance business like that, what most people, at least the way I feel, most people don't understand is the fact that there it's a very personal business. Yes, it's a very relationship business, and yeah, you got some that aren't so good, and some guys that aren't so good people in the bit in the insurance yes. business. But the vast majority of people that I have met and I've actually worked with on occasion in the insurance business have been very great people, very personal people, people yeah. who who want to help people because that's one of the concepts I was initially taught when I first got into the insurance business by the agent that I would say mentored me was put the client first. Yes. Think of the client first. And when you think of the client first, the client of course takes care of you. And so, but mine, of course, my journey led me over to to more more of the tax side. <laughs> yeah. And taking care of it because it's interesting because uh when you go and into wealth management or even insurance, you got to be careful because you're only licensed for insurance. And so you don't want to be given tax advice. Yes. And yeah. so, but I turned, it turned out that I, I still like insurance. And in fact, I still have my licenses like, like you do, uh, but I focus more on the tax side, which it's interesting when you have combinations like that, like you're in, it makes it real interesting. In fact, that because of the unique uh, trail that you took, it gives you, good, uh, I would say good qualifications to make certain recommendations that other professionals may not have because they don't have that that background in that specific area, which is why I like talking to individuals like you, because you, you have a variety of background. You're not just focused in on, on just one thing, but because of your variety, you've been yeah. able to, to expand and do more. Just like when I talk to uh, someone about their investment portfolio, because I, I have actually, I call it because I have both licenses, I can- yes give good tax. I can actually give tax advice, which a lot of investment people cannot do because they yeah. don't have, have the change up there. So, so how about a little bit more, how does this actually go into uh bank on yourself, this revolution there? What do you, uh, what really drew you to that, to really, to really get into it? Yeah, definitely. So the book, when, as I was reading, I didn't really, I had no idea what the concept was. And as I was reading the book, it starts off by talking about the 
problems in financial planning, right? So one of the main problems that people have in their in their portfolios is risk. So mm-hmm. th- this is where you invest, for example, in index funds, mutual funds. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not completely opposed to investing in mutual funds and index funds in the stock market. I believe there's a time and a place for it. I am opposed to thinking that that's the only place you can invest mm-hmm. your money. So and, and that was kind of what the book talks about. It talks about where people um, who have like full time jobs who are have like a surplus of cash flow. Like at the end of the month, they have an extra two or three thousand dollars a month or whatever the case is. They want to start planning. It almost by default ends up being in a mutual fund or index fund, or mm-hmm. it ends up in the hands of Wall Street. Yeah. And how that's problematic because there's risk involved, right? And the risk is more significant than we think it is. So we might think, for example, that okay, on a 10-year or 15-year horizon, even if there's at least one crash, I'll still be ahead. And the reality is that the the crash is probably more significant. It's like if you lost 10% in your portfolio mm-hmm. and then you got a 10% gain you're not mm-hmm. back to where you started yeah i believe if you if you lost 10 percent in the market you need like a 12.5 percent to go back to where you were and that number keeps compounding if you lose 20 percent, you need like 40 percent to go back to where mm-hmm. you were and if you lost 50 percent, you need 120 percent return to go back to where you were so when you look at it from that perspective the loss and the gains don't really help out in in in, in the perspective of building a portfolio so this concept is based off of the idea of never losing money. So even if you could potentially earn 2 or 3% compound interest year after year, every single year for the next 20 or 30 years, um, the math suggests that that's better than an average rate of return of like 10% because you don't get the average rate of return, mm-hmm. right? If I have... Um, if I have a hundred thousand dollars in a portfolio and one year I uh I lose 25%, the next year I gain 50%, it's like a 12 and a half percent rate of return. But really, I'm back to I'm actually could be at a loss. So the rate of return, mm-hmm. the average rate of return is is really not a good mathematical suggestion. Mm-hmm. And bank on yourself in 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 short to cut it short is how a way to compound your growth regardless of market conditions mm-hmm. to completely eliminate market risk and to have your money compound year after year without having to take those unnecessary risks. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about being able to reduce risk even if we get, as you mentioned, like the 2% return per year. Now, of course, it's interesting as we discuss this because we've gone from a low interest environment Yeah where it was almost like 0% as far as the <laughs> yeah, Nash yeah. rate to, to to a higher rate. And we see the banks and so on increasing their interest rates there. So how does this work out as the interest rates adjust, whether they go up or they go down? Yeah, it is correlated. Yeah. So so what I'm speaking about here is the use of, so a lot of people also notice is the infinite banking concept. Mm-hmm. And it's the use of cash value whole life insurance for cash purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a it's a very unconventional way of using whole life insurance. It's not the same whole life insurance that Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman talks about. That type of whole life insurance they're talking about is entire is is almost zero cash value, very mm-hmm. high premiums, very expensive mm-hmm. premiums. Though the insurance we're talking about is high early cash value mm-hmm. to the point where it can break even between the cash value and the premiums in like year four or five, and you have access to that cash value. These policies, these life insurance policies are correlated, their dividends and their their growth, it's correlated mm-hmm. with the interest environment. Since 
since life insurance, one of the main focuses of a life insurance company mm-hmm. um, are, are interest earning, interest earning accounts. That's how life insurance companies, are not just life insurance companies, but all insurance companies, typically 80% of their portfolios are bonds and mm-hmm. loaning out money to other institutions yes. and to individuals. So yeah, it's, it's definitely correlated with interest rates. The higher, when interest rates go up, mm-hmm. your dividends, your projected dividends in the life insurance policy are projected to go up. The, mm-hmm. the upside to that or the, the, the advantage too is if interest rates go down, yes, technically the dividends go down, mm-hmm. but then the cost to access the capital goes down too. Mm-hmm. Because when you have a life policy and you want to borrow against it, you're taking out a loan from the insurance mm-hmm. company. So those loans are also based off of the current environment we're in. So as interest rates go down, so does the cost of capital to access those loans go down. So it puts you, the the way, the reason why I really recommend uh, the use of cash value, properly structured cash mm-hmm. value whole life insurance for clients is if it's structured properly, then when interest rates go down, it's an advantage for you. And then when interest rates go up, it's an advantage for you. So that's what I like about it. You don't have to kind of be in mm-hmm. a high interest or a low interest environment to benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the, I don't know, the challenge with whole life is having it properly structured. Yeah, as as an insurance, as as your insurance, because of course it is insurance. But yet to get the maximize out the cash value and the method that you're discussing, it's important to to have it properly structured. So which basically means, just don't take the first whole life policy that comes along. You have to, yeah. you have to, I mean, because there's a lot of great companies that do it, and a lot of good policies out there, and, and some probably fit better in what you're describing than others do just depending on how dividends are paid and how everything's calculated and everything in there. So how does, uh, well, one thing is when you're talking about starting one of these policies and how, how, of course, how early can one start one and do, do this properly structured? And even we think about how, I mean, how late or how, how late can they be in age to even start something, to even do something like this with whole life? Yeah, so you could do so. You can technically to own the policy. You could be as 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 young as eighteen years old to own the policy, and then to be mm-hmm. insured, you can insure anybody from the age of zero, like a newborn, all mm-hmm. the way to some of the companies you work with. I think they cap it off at like seven year seventy five, age seventy five. Mm-hmm. A little bit after that's a little bit. Oh, I don't think any insurance company. It's usually mm-hmm. all insurance companies have some sort of max. You're like seventy five or eighty yeah. years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so to be so there's kind of three parts to it. There's the insured, there's the mm-hmm. owner, and there's the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. The owner could be anybody who's 18 years or older, mm-hmm. usually depending on the state. And then uh, the insured could be anybody from like the age like zero to like 75. Mm-hmm. And then beneficiary, of course, can be anybody. Um, it could be a company, it could be an entity, it could be anybody could really benefit mm-hmm. from a life insurance policy. Usually, the owner and the beneficiary are the same thing, the same person. Mm-hmm. Like you're taking out a life insurance policy on your spouse or your business partner or your employee. So yeah, um, and then you can, and there's so many different ways to structure this. Like you could do, mm-hmm. a, like you could do a policy where you're funding it for thirty or forty years, and you're just making monthly payments into it, and it's compounding. Mm-hmm. Or you could do a policy where it's like a single premium. Like I worked on a case for a guy who's seventy years old, and he put four hundred thousand dollars into a whole life policy, mm-hmm. a single premium. So it was just a one-time payment mm-hmm. to the policy. It, it didn't require any further premiums after that. And then mm-hmm. right after that, the next day, he was able to borrow three hundred sixty thousand dollars out of life policy. So mm-hmm. it's almost all entirely liquid. If it was. If it was a whole life policy that mm-hmm. like the media and Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey like talk neg- negatively about, mm-hmm. then it would take like 
20 years, like you would, for example, somebody would be putting in like a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. and it would take like 20 years just to be able to see yeah. any cash value growth in it. Mm-hmm. And I, those policies are very, they're obviously very expensive. You Expensive oh, means yeah. that the ability to borrow or the ability to use that cash from it is very low compared mm-hmm. to the premium you're putting into it. Mm-hmm. But if you had, for example, in this situation, $400,000 and you're able to borrow 360, then technically the cost of that policy is really in the first year, like $40,000. Like that mm-hmm. was that was the cost of it. But then it keeps compounding and growing every year. Mm-hmm. And the life insurance is significantly higher. It's like $600,000 in that situation. Mm-hmm. So so really, I, yeah. I wanted. To, I, I don't want this to be too insurance technical. I just want to open yeah. it, open it up to the audience that there are ways to have your money compound and grow outside mm-hmm. of the stock market, and you don't have to choose one mm-hmm. investment over another investment. You could use this investment, or this. Sorry, I don't want to say whole life insurance is an investment. Uh, the savings alternative. Mm-hmm. Use a savings alternative. Borrow against that, and then invest in index funds or mutual funds or. Um, real estate funds, syndications, wherever you want to, wherever you're comfortable investing and where you're knowledgeable investing, you can invest that money anywhere you want. So mm-hmm. you kind of get both worlds. You get the growth of the whole life policy and you get the growth from the investments that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can t- basically take, at least the way I'm taking this, you take like in the example you gave, you could take the, the 400,000, yeah. you borrow what you said. And of course, you're paying some interest back to the insurance company for borrowing for borrowing, but then you can take that and and then invest it in something else. So it's like you're you're almost almost getting like a, a double return on what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And this is where thinking like a bank comes in, right? So like mm-hmm. if you were to imagine how a bank thinks, like how like how a bank operates, it's probably gonna be the you know the the most elite way of financial planning is how a bank or even an insurance company is going to think. So banks have to, uh, they have to keep a certain, in order for them to keep their licenses and their charters, they have to keep a a certain Mm -hmm. amount of money in uh, life insurance. Uh, They have like their tier one capital, which is like their reserves. And they have to keep that in in life insurance. It could either be universal life or whole life insurance, Mm -hmm. about 25%. And the reason why they're required to is because of their solvency, because of their safety, because the uh, regulators know that whole life insurance mm-hmm. is probably arguably the safest place on earth to, mm-hmm. when I say on earth, because international companies also use US life insurance companies for their reserves mm-hmm. um, in the sense of there's really no volatility and mm-hmm. the the bank can then use the 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 bank insures as executives or companies insure their executives and then the beneficiaries are the company so when the mm-hmm. executives pass away the beneficiary the companies and the banks receive the death benefits from the insurance companies and they use those benefits to offset other expenses they have like employee benefits so there's mm-hmm. a lot of tax benefits there if it's mm-hmm. if it's owned by the entity and it's the benefit the entity is the beneficiary and I'm not a tax professional I know you are so you probably know more about this but if the entity is the owner of the policy and the entity mm-hmm. is the beneficiary and it's being used for business purposes then potentially the premiums could be tax deductible, mm-hmm. um, and then the if there are loans, the potential the interest written off could be tax deductible if it's also used for mm-hmm. business purposes. There's a lot of rules there, but there's yeah. a, lot, a ton of tax in general. There are a lot mm-hmm. of tax benefits using whole life insurance for your business mm-hmm. or your real estate portfolio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've done it, and I've had discussions with others about how using the whole life insurance, like you mentioned, even as part of your your retirement. To make yes. part of as part of your retirement bucket, and it makes part of your retirement essentially tax free yes. as well. 
And then yeah. of course, what's what can be left can go tax-free to your beneficiary. So it's a way to that's also a way to pass wealth on tax-free as well. There. Yes. Now, how does that work? Uh, for example, like in the real estate, you mentioned about the real estate portfolio. There, how does that work within with within as part of the real estate? Would you say? Yeah, many different ways. So you could either use, so if you have enough cash value in the policy, let's just say you've been building up these policies and it's very common for people to have multiple policies. Let's say you've been building mm -hmm. up these policies. You can either use the cash value or the cash value of other policies together to buy a property. Mm -hmm. When you do it that way, you're becoming essentially your own mortgage. Like you need, for example, a hundred thousand, let's just say it was um, to use even numbers. The property is a hundred thousand dollars. That's how much you need to buy it. You can go to a bank. It's going to take some time. You can go to a hard money lender. It's going to also take some time, but it's going to cost you a lot of money to do so. Um, you can go to your policies. You can go to the insurance company. You borrow from the insurance companies, leveraging your policies collateral. Mm -hmm. Now, when you do that, there's no credit checks. There's no credit history required. Mm -hmm. It's simply whatever your cash value is, you borrow up to 90% of that from the insurance company. And then when you borrow against that, you keep you're you're not subtracting from your policies. You're using the policies as collateral, so you you leverage them. You borrow against them, mm -hmm. and then you could buy the properties outright. Now let's say you don't have that much money. You have enough to finance the properties. So mm -hmm. like a hundred thousand dollar property, you need eighty thousand from a bank, twenty thousand. You can use your life policy to finance that twenty percent down payment. Now here's a good thing. When the bank asks you, where'd you get this $20,000 from? Because you have to disclose that usually. They're, they're going to ask you, the underwriter, mm -hmm. the loan officer is yes. going to ask you, where'd you get this money from? Mm -hmm. It's say you borrowed from your life insurance policy. They know that they'll accept that as your own money because mm -hmm. they know that you don't, you're not on the hook for that money. If you borrowed, for example, if you if you bought a $100,000 property, you borrowed mm -hmm. $80,000 from a bank, and then you borrowed $20,000 from a friend, the bank isn't probably going to let that happen yes. because it's exposure for the bank. Mm -hmm. Because if you default on that property, the mm -hmm. bank is going to get 80% or whatever. But then the other 20% now, your friend is going to sue you and potentially your personal assets could be at stake. So the bank doesn't want the bank doesn't want to be yes. partnered with anybody else except themselves. They don't want any other liens, any other creditors, or they, unless they, mm -hmm. want, they want to know about those other creditors. So mm -hmm. a life insurance policy is not a creditor. When you borrow against a life insurance policy, that's not a creditor. It's a non-recourse loan. Mm -hmm. It's not like if you default on the life insurance policy loan, they're going to come sue you. They're going to come take your property. They can. They only take the property itself. So that's why banks allow you to borrow from life mm -hmm. insurance companies to use for your down payments. That's another way. That could open up a lot of avenues. Another way too is, mm -hmm. let's say you're you're in the process of of of, fine, of of paying premiums for all these policies you have and you want to buy a property. Sometimes I see this a lot of times with clients where they want to buy a property and they're almost like they're almost approved for the loan, but the underwriter is like, hey, but we're looking at all your other debt. If you just pay $20,000 towards this one debt you have, mm -hmm. then we can make this loan go through. Well, now you have all these policies. You can tap into that, borrow from there, essentially refinance, move mm -hmm. that from one place to another place, and then that'll open up the ability for more financing. So a lot of different ways from the point mm -hmm. of you could be your own banker or mm -hmm. you could use it for more bank financing. Really, mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a debt debt vehicle. Yes. I really like I really like how it can be a debt vehicle because too often I encounter people who uh, for lack of planning or thinking ahead. They'll want to take money like out of a IRA or out of the 401k or whatever to finance their home, to buy a home or whatever the case may be. Now, uh, if if a plan like this is put into place, see, they can have that that down payment and not have the tax consequences of taking the money out of their 
retirement plan, as well as having to explain to the bank, which I've actually had this happen, explain to the bank where the 20,000 came from, like in your example. And they're saying, I I says, well, I came out of this. And they're like, well, we need this, this. I mean, they're asking for all this documentation. I'm like, well, that documentation doesn't exist because of this is what it is. But the client still has tax ramifications because they 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 took the money out of their retirement, which is actually more common than than we realized. And I actually yeah. realized a few years ago how people will pull think it's a great idea to pull money out of their retirement to do a down payment on their on a property or whatever a home they're buying because that yes. was the only source that they had because they didn't have this other other deal set up or maybe hadn't just been approached about it or didn't, don't know about it, whatever the case may be. So we need alternatives, and that's this is another one that helps reduce tax. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, tax, but even, and in some cases, even tax, well, tax penalties too, the 10% for taking that out of retirement plan. So it's, it's a great, great alternative in in using uh, the whole life insurance. Once again, properly, uh, a properly structured policy. That's the whole key, having the right kind of, of policy, which, uh, how does one find this, the right kind of policy to use? I mean, is that yeah. part of the services that you all help provide? Absolutely. Yeah. So what makes, you know, you're listening to this, you know, what makes a policy good or, or bad really? And I think that it's uh, a couple of things. So number one, you want to make sure that it's from a mutual insurance company. So mm-hmm. there are stock owned insurance companies and there are mutually owned insurance companies. A stock owned company is owned by its shareholders and the dividends go back to the shareholders. A mutual life insurance company uh, um, is if it's a participating mutual life insurance company, they're going to give the dividends back to the policy owners like yourself. Mm -hmm. So all the policy owners are mutually owners of the insurance company. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure it's a mutually owned insurance company. The second part is you want to make sure that when you borrow the money, your policy keeps growing. Sometimes insurance companies, when you borrow from your policy, they limit the amount of growth you'll get as a way to de- to, to deter you from borrowing it's a policy they'll, they'll give you the the right to do so but because a lot of larger insurance companies might be able to make more money in different areas mm-hmm. um so they're kind of like not penalize you but limit your growth when you borrow so mm-hmm. we use companies that don't do that they don't limit your growth when you borrow it's called non-direct recognition they don't recognize that there's a loan outstanding mm-hmm. when crediting you interest and dividends in your policy so non-direct recognition the third part is you want to make sure that there's a like a cash value component, a, a paid up additions part of the policy that grows the cash value, because again we want we want this for liquidity, right? And a lot of clients, you know, if we can completely eliminate the life insurance part, we could if we were able to do so. We would do that if we were able to. Mm-hmm. But we need the life insurance part because of the tax free nature of, mm-hmm. of life insurance policies. So we want to maximize the cash value and then minimize the life insurance as much as possible. Um, so that's you in order to do this, in order to do so, you need the paid up additions writer. So you want to make sure it's um, a paid up additions writer. And then also and then fourth thing is you want to make sure it's a whole life policy, not universal life. Universal mm-hmm. life has when you're using universal life just for cash value purposes, like putting money in, borrowing, taking money out, things mm-hmm. like that, it can get a little bit risky because the, the cost of universal life increases every year. So mm-hmm. again, I don't, I don't go too far into insurance. You want to make sure it's a whole life policy, mutually mm-hmm. owned, non-direct recognition. And there's a paid up additions rider. You want to look for like a break even point, like year five, year six, mm-hmm. somewhere along those lines. Like if you're putting ten thousand dollars a year, you want your cash value to be like sixty thousand by year six, or you know, I would even go like year seven, seventy thousand. You want to see some significant cash growth in the policy, um, because that's what's going to give you like that arbitrage where you're borrowing mm-hmm. from one place, you're investing somewhere else, and there's a split. There's there's an advantage to to borrowing from the life insurance company and using that money. 
Mm-hmm. And hit that break eat hit well of course hit that uh, break even point at at, yep. at, 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 a, at an appropriate time and not years 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 down the road but within yep. within a certain within a certain really good uh period of time there yeah and it's good to make that distinction between uh, whole life because that 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 gives the good average whereas of course universal life as you mentioned it, it it's not as good of a vehicle it has its place but for what we're looking at here it's not not really the it's not really the, the vehicle to go with the the properly properly structured whole life is definitely so you mentioned uh, about whole life being a part of this strategy yeah. what's what's another part of this strategy yeah so whole life um let's see so what so when you when you have, when you fund the policy right when you have the cash mm-hmm. value growth now you can leverage that money for other investments you could take that money you could use it for either a real estate syndication which a lot of our clients do a lot of our clients are general partners and limited partners of real estate syndications or you could do a real estate fund, or you could do an index fund, mutual fund. So you can then incorporate the investment with other areas, other places, other things. And that way you get kind of like the um, double advantage where you're getting the growth in the life policy and you're getting the growth from the investments. You also are able to use the life policy as a hedge against those other risks. So Mm -hmm. if you invested, for example, you use your life policy, you invest in other investments, and then those investments don't do well, or you, you actually lose money on those investments, you still have the whole life policy compounding and growing. So it's almost like a hedge against um, the risks you're taking. And I believe, you know, you should take calculated necessary risks mm-hmm. um, and and then also figure out a way where you're, you're hedging against that risk, right? You're, you don't want to, you don't want to risk your emergency savings fund or your retirement money for other investments. But I believe you should, you know, you, there, there should be risk involved, right? You should be evaluating, especially if you're young, you should be evaluating investments. You should be looking, you know, uh, one of the, my favorite things is Robert Kiyosaki. He talks about when you invest in things, not only do you get a rate of return if it, if the investment goes in your favor, but you also get investment experience, which is mm-hmm. really has no price to it. So, if if years are going by, you're not investing any money, you're not doing any research or or looking into any options. Uh, there's a loss. There's a, there's a loss of of money and a loss of time there. You could you could have been learning about investments. You could have been gaining investment experience. So that's how you know you. I I like to take the approach is uh, not not just from the financial ROI, the money that you're putting in, the money you're giving back, but also the experience, the emotional and um, intellectual experience you're getting back from these mm-hmm. investments that you're taking. Okay. Okay. Yes. Excellent. There. So we've been mainly talking about the about the leveraging of the of the whole life insurance, and uh, even in some of your podcasts, you talk about uh, about uh, about the whole life and using the dividends and leveraging those toward uh, real estate. There. So do we have uh, other? I mean, is is the whole life the main part of this uh, bank on yourself? revolutionary or is there other 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 pieces to this yeah yeah exactly so it's mostly comprised of using properly designed cash value whole life insurance pay bank on mm-hmm. yourself there's also annuities right we also believe in annuities because of the so annuities are, are essentially in, in insurance against outliving your income mm-hmm. um so people nowadays thankfully are living longer that's good but that, that also means the risk of outliving your income and mm-hmm. and annuities help cover that risk so figuring out a way to constantly keep earning income in retirement and that income actually growing with inflation in in retirement, uh, the retirement income growing um, mm-hmm. as part also of like the bank on yourself concepts of 
essentially not having all your money in, in mutual funds and index funds because of the risk factor. And then when you're mm-hmm. taking money out of those accounts in retirement, there's also the potential to run out of money, right? Because you can mm-hmm. run out of money and you could lose money at the same time during retirement if the money is still invested there. Of course, at that point, it would be a lot of very highly conservative investments, like a lot of bonds, uh, but still there's a risk of outliving your money. Mm-hmm. Whereas with annuities, the insurance company absorbs that risk and again, we're, we're relying, a lot of it is relying on the, the safety of insurance companies. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you, if you haven't been able to tell by now, I'm like an insurance nerd. I really, I really enjoy <laughs> insurance. And mm-hmm. I, I was reading a book called All About Annuities. And the mm-hmm. author was talking about the, the financial solvency of in, uh, insurance companies, how safe they are, mm-hmm. how financially safe they are. And if you, there's about 2,000 life insurance companies in the United States. And if you took the sum of their reserves, all the life insurance companies put mm-hmm. all their reserves together in one pot, that pot of money would be greater than all of the cash from all of the banks and oil companies in the world combined. So it mm. kind of gives you an idea of how you know, internationally financially strong U.S. life insurance companies are, mm-hmm. uh, how, how much, and this is all reserves that they're sitting on. It's not leveraged money. It's, they're not borrowing mm-hmm. money from banks or the fi- the Federal Reserve. This is money that that's sitting in their accounts that they have to report to. Mm-hmm. They have to report every mo- every quarter to the mm-hmm. Department of Insurance for the state they're in. There's a lot of mm-hmm. regulations behind this. So that's really what you're getting. You're getting peace of mind. You're getting safety when you're using cash value, whole life insurance policies and annuities. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now on, on the annuities, is there uh, specific types of annuities that, that, that is used in this? Cause I know for myself and working with annuities, there's, there's different types yeah. that I've used over the years there. So, uh, and there's fixed, there's indexed, registered index there. So is there one that, one of those that works or something else that works uh, more flexible in, uh, in this particular strategy? Yeah, it really depends on the client where they're mm-hmm. at. I've I've worked on cases before where it's like uh, um, uh, deferred and and payments are going into it. Like for example, like you're doing like five hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars a month into an annuity for like thirty years, and then after that you would annuitize it. And then there's some that are like single premium where you're putting a lump sum in, and then you turn on income right away. There's mm-hmm. some where you put a, l- a lump sum in, and then you're deferring the, mm-hmm. the you're deferring the payments. And then a lot of them are indexed, so that means it's following like uh, like the, like the S and P 500 or a mm-hmm. market index. And some of them are like fixed annuities, so it's like a fixed a fixed interest rate that grows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really depends on the client, depends on it. I, I don't think bank on yourself. Um, so bank on yourself from the standpoint of life insurance does speci- specify the type of life insurance mm-hmm. and the company and the way it's structured. Yes, it does do that. But on the annuity side, it doesn't really do that. It just suggests the overall use mm-hmm. of annuities. It doesn't really say that we should structure annuity this way, like how we do with the whole life policies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, what, what depending on, on the client, which everything yeah. depends on what the client needs are, you yes. can have, okay, in their plan can come up, come up with, the, okay, this is the the whole life insurance policy that's going to help with your issue, that's going to yeah. help you to meet your goals. It could be with company A. Yeah. And then, oh, okay, an annuity fits into what you're going to propose as well. But yet, this is going to be company B we're going to use for the annuity because they that they have the annuity that fits your particular situation. Precisely. Yeah, good point. Yeah, exactly. And then to take it a step further, you can even add some like tax benefits in there too, mm-hmm. right? Like if it's a traditional IRA, they can get uh like look they could do like for example five hundred dollars a month and through their traditional IRA get a tax mm-hmm. deduction at the end of the year like six thousand. I believe next year that tax deduction is going to go up to sixty five hundred if you are under the age of fifty. Am I right about that for the traditional IRA? Uh, the traditional does goes up go does go up to sixty five hundred for twenty twenty three. So 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And then if you and then if you want to do even a Roth IRA, if you can mm-hmm. do a Roth IRA, there's some income restrictions with the with the Roth. If you can do a Roth IRA and then you could do an annuity, then what you could do is you could put like let's just say over a 20-year period, put money mm-hmm. into the Roth IRA uh in your annuity, and then at that point take out if you're over 59 and a half and it's been five years mm-hmm. in the Roth IRA, then you could take out 100% tax-free income mm-hmm. uh, federal on a federal basis. I think there could be some state income taxes depending on the state living for a Roth could IRA. Could depend on the sure. state, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I talk mainly federal on this program because every state is yeah crazy different. So Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> this, so then you could even use a Roth IRA to get tax-free income. So imagine if you had a whole life policy properly structured and then you had a Roth Mm-hmm. Um, then you can have essentially two sources of tax-free income. And then you would also have your social security, but mm-hmm. your social security wouldn't acknowledge the, the income you're getting from the Roth IRA mm-hmm. and the income you're getting from the whole life policy wouldn't impact your social security income taxes. Mm-hmm. And that's important because um, one of the areas that a lot of people, at least I hit, I encounter on this is like if people work, especially for a government entity yes, and they have uh I don't know, what's a government retirement? See, then yes. there's that infamous thing called pension offset. Yes. Which if they get, they, they can't get, at least right now under current law, they can't get both 100% of both Social Security and whatever the yeah. government pension is. So that's that's a huge deal. Yeah. And so some, if uh, if they're but working in the private sector, that, that doesn't exist, of course. But yet, so is this, you think about this, would this be, I mean, of course, depending on the person, but this could this be an alternative? Or how would you look at this when like if a person has like some type of a retirement plan at their W-2 job there? Would yeah. this be in addition to it or maybe a partial replacement for it? I mean, how does how does how does that fit in if a person has one of those? Yeah, absolutely. I would do I would do a partial replacement or if they really want to, if they want to because like I like 401ks and 403b accounts because you can get the tax deduction and the gross mm-hmm. tax deferred and you can get a match and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's some downsides or when the money comes out, it's all taxable. There's some tax mm-hmm. penalties if you use that money before the age of 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. If you take out a loan, I believe, you know, like the, there's mm-hmm. restrictions to the loan. You have to pay it back through your payroll. You have to commit to a certain amount. There's mm-hmm. some restrictions. So maybe if you're a W-2 employee, keep your 401k and add a little bit into a whole life policy while you're working or even reduce the amount of money you're putting towards the 401k and allocate that to a whole life policy, you don't get the same tax deduction that you were getting when you put money into the 401k. But the advantage is that when you take the money out, it's it's all tax, it's all tax free. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the idea of, you know, you have your company benefits, right? You have your 403b, you have your 401k, whatever the case might be. Uh, but when you have your own whole life policy, that's completely yours. You own it. It doesn't rely, mm-hmm. like your company can change it. You don't lose it when you... Mm-hmm. Not that you lose a four hundred one k when you leave, but there's there's it's it's a it's a technically a company owned plan. There's restrictions to it and things like that. But I, I believe you should have your own policy. And and mm-hmm. and even even though even though the bank on yourself concept involves using the cash a lot of cash value in the policy, we still have to think about the actual life insurance amount. Mm-hmm. So one thing that people yeah. people often confuse or talk about is, well, I don't need life insurance because I get life insurance through work. Well, in about 99% of the situations when you get life insurance through work, it's mm-hmm. a very, it's like 1x your salary or like 1.5x or 2x. It's a very, if you're making mm-hmm. $100,000 a year, you pass away, they'll give your beneficiary $100,000 or mm-hmm. $200,000, you know, yes. that that's not enough. You need 20 times your salary, depending mm-hmm. on your age, you need 20 times your salary for your family and your spouse to, mm-hmm. to, to be made whole, financially whole again. 
Um, so yeah, so I think that you need your own life policies outside of work, and then mm-hmm. plus you lose them anyway. If you if, yeah. if you left your work, you retired, you don't get to ninety nine percent of the situations, you don't mm-hmm. get to take that life insurance with you. It's a mm-hmm. term policy that mm-hmm. just expires when you leave. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's uh, usually what I try to, when I visit with people, that's what I try to mention to them. You know, yeah, I've had the same conversation with people about, well, I got life insurance at work. Yeah. But did you realize that? Yeah. You lose that when you lose, when you are no longer working. So we need to look at this alternative. So in some of these cases, I guess it, it's kind of hard to, so you're basically, because sometimes when I work with people, I, I have them starting the term policy, but yet the company, whatever company, the term policy may not have the right whole life policy for the concept then. So, um, but they, but that's at least an odd, at least if they can't do the whole life, they can at least start off with the term at least, but then say, okay, at this time we're going to review and, or after this period of time, we're going to get you into the whole life, the properly structured whole life, if they can do it uh, there. So have you encountered any situations like that, where maybe you've had to start someone at, at one level, then maybe take them up to get, then get them into the take them like from a term to a whole life to get them fu- fully implemented? Yeah, that's something we account for because when you're using the whole life policies we're using the companies, they all they all have term life policies as well. Mm-hmm. So what you could do is you could do a term policy. Let's just say that their immediate need was to have like, you know, they make $100,000 a year. They estimate, they just want $500,000 in case something happens to them in the meantime. We could do that term policy. That's that's the only thing they want to take care of right now. Mm-hmm. Then let's just say a year, two years later, we want they want to then um, do the bank on yourself concept. They want to use whole life insurance. They could get up to $500,000 now of life insurance without any underwriting at all, guaranteed mm-hmm. approval because they convert they can convert the term to whole life you can only do so within the same company right like yeah. if you have you know company with a term you can mm-hmm. roll it in, not roll it but convert it into whole life this some i've seen it sometimes where like if company if some people have like life insurance through the military there's mm-hmm. a couple companies that are contracted with the with those companies and you can convert like a term from the military VGLI to a whole life mm-hmm. but again that doesn't really apply to a lot of people it's usually if you're doing term with one company you can convert it to whole life with that same company so if we're if our immediate need now is just a simple term policy nothing too crazy just enough for to in the meantime to cover the life insurance need mm-hmm. but they're also thinking about the bank on yourself concept then we would just do the term policy with mm-hmm. the same a uh, uh, company that, that has the whole life policy and really it's it's they're almost uh, they're, they're almost very similar the rates between term life insurance policies if you're doing a 10 year or 20 year mm-hmm. or 30 year term it's a very similar amongst the company so um almost 100% of the time clients are okay with doing a term policy through one of the whole life policies we we mm-hmm. work with and they can get that and then more importantly they can convert it to a whole life without going through underwriting again, because mm-hmm. what if you're uninsurable? That's another thing too. Yeah. If, you're, what if you're uninsurable, mm-hmm. you can still convert it even if you are uninsurable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a great part of, of why, why I brought it up was for that exact reason. person can start in a whole in the term and yeah. a few years down the road, for whatever reason, become uninsurable, but yet they, because yeah. they got the term, they can convert it and get, and get the, get the, get the whole life policy going. I mean, they, and they still may live for years at a time, but just, the way the underwriting goes, they could be termed uninsurable. So that's that's really, really excellent to keep in mind and to think about there as we look at this. So as we really like this concept, thinking uh, like a bank, is there anything else with this concept that uh, we need to keep in mind as we, as ones look at the possibility of uh, looking at this and how do they even get started in something like this if they, if it's, or I guess you can research it, but what's what's your recommendations in regards as we look at yeah. this concept? 
Yeah, my recommendation is look at it from the concept standpoint, the, the the concept of becoming your own banker from that standpoint. Not so much from just Googling whole life insurance. If you Google whole life insurance, I'll tell you from now, you could try it. You're just going to get a lot of <laughs> negative things on whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. I'll look at it more from the concept standpoint. Like, What could you actually do with it and how it could actually help you? I'll read some books. Read Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. Read uh, You could read my book, Thinking Like a Bank. You could read The Bank on Yourself Revolution. I'll put in a lot of like work to understand this concept. Again, it's not just so much of a product. You just, you know, look up one time and just buy mm-hmm. it in, in the moment. It's, it's, uh, it, it, is, it requires research. It requires an understanding of the concept. And more importantly, work with somebody who does this concept. Again, not somebody who just sells whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. That person's probably not going to be, be able to help you alone. But if they're actually, they're doing this concept, they, they own it for themselves. They have it for their families. The person who's giving it to you also mm-hmm. has it for themselves. Um, they're using it. They have clients. They're using it for real estate, for investments, things like that. That's who you, that's what you want to look for. It's a, it's a, the person makes a really big deal because mm-hmm. when you run into an issue or some sort of misunderstanding, the person, and the same thing is true with the taxes, right? It's not just about the tax mm-hmm. code or the mm-hmm. name of the tax deduction or the credit, but it's more so about the person who's guiding you through using those deductions and credits. Uh, same thing in the situation. You want to make sure that, you know, it's, it's the who, not the what for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why uh, I I do this business because it is so important for the who. Communication yeah. is is vitally important there. Um, I'm, I see whether whatever concept a person use, uh, everybody needs to, of course, take in the tax, the tax part of it. How's it going to affect tax-wise? And that's what's really good about this concept is that it does have some built-in tax benefits with it. Yeah. And then just working right along with, a, with your, I would say, work with a tax not only the person that knows the concept, but even a tax advisor who understands the concept as well. Yep, that can um, guide guide along the way and be willing to do it. Because one thing I know I've I've encountered even in just where I work, there's a lot of tax people who just don't like change, or yeah. <laughs> or if there's something unusual out there, it's just immediately written off. They don't really look 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 at it from a from a broader perspective, but. I just know from the 20 years I've been working in tax that things, not only does the tax code change, there are uh, what's there are many ideas that are relevant, that are legitimate, because that's one yeah. of the things that I always got to caution people on is tax scams. And I know I can already see people thinking that this is some type of tax scam, but once you look in it and research it and do this, do these books and a lot of the concepts that you're talking about, I'm actually familiar with yep. just from other conversations and from my experience. In fact, that I'm also insurance licensed. So I know yep. about a lot of this stuff. I'm not just someone that's out there. So I know that this is very legitimate. And from a tax standpoint, it can indeed save people taxes there. And yes. then one of the issues I really love about this as well is that it does present a way to even transfer wealth to beneficiaries tax-free. Yes, exactly. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and you're right. A lot of I, I've I've just experienced this too with my clients, and and then when they go to their tax professionals to get advice, a lot of CPA. I, I feel like a lot of the small business CPA world uh, or, or tax prep world, it's it's almost like an emergency room. They're doing you know whatever's urgently needed in the moment, mm-hmm. and anything kind of outside of their their ordinary system. Mm-hmm. It's going to be either a waste of time or too much risk to take on mm-hmm. to go outside to you know and and it and I understand it I understand it like a lot of tax professionals are very busy they're usually very overwhelmed especially during tax season so um, to do creative tax planning it might be outside of their scope to do that again it doesn't mean they're not creative or they're not smart enough to do so. 
Uh, it's just they're they're logistically capped. They're, they're, there's there's a lot of restrictions they have in their business, mm-hmm. and it's they're better off just doing a thousand tax returns, you know, within the same boundaries mm-hmm. than 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 going off and you know learning about whole life insurance and annuities and IRAs that might that that's going to be outside their scope. And then they're also worried about you know a, a mistake happening, right? Like mm-hmm. tax professionals, yeah. CPAs, enrolled agents are very mm-hmm. risk by personality risk averse. <laughs> that mm-hmm. don't like to kind of venture off into too many risky areas. Yeah. And it can be in that. I mean, if we look at, I mean, I, I mean, I see the ones who get suspended by the IRS for yeah. practicing before, but a lot of those cases don't, don't have anything to do with items like this. It's yeah, sadly, yes. it's because they don't take care of their own taxes most of the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thanks for mentioning that. I, I don't want to imply what I just said as in like whole life insurance is risky at all. It, it's actually the least riskiest vehicle you could take, or, you know, it's just more mm-hmm. of so of the, the thinking process of, of going beyond what you're, what you're normally doing. Yeah. Got to think outside the box, which is one thing I've always yeah. tried to do in my own yeah. and what I do and work with people is to think outside of the box and to do things because one of the areas too with tax that I've encountered a lot is the fact that many, the communication of tax professionals with their clients is not yeah. always the best. The training of the client yes. isn't always the best. So that's why I've uh, always endeavored myself because most most tax professionals, at least many that I've encountered, it's really all they've done yes. from the time they came out of college. And it, they, they do great work. But see, for me, this is actually a second and even I could say third thing for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I got a completely different perspective it, on it. So yeah, for, yeah, just to put it just to the audience, if I was looking for a, a tax professional to work with, I would want to work with somebody like you, somebody with the investment and insurance advice uh, recommendations also, because it's a longer term approach to tax mm-hmm. filing and tax planning. It's not so much of you know, we have to do the taxes today, April 15, we have to, you know, send it in. It's a very different mentality. Um, when you do tax planning and investment planning versus just tax filing today. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's what we endeavor to do, which is it's good to have a, a team of people that are working yes. with you, not just uh, someone who is there January to April and then yes. kind of disappears the rest of the year. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm building myself around is, is that whole concept and which is, is, is having the year round availability to, to talk to people, which I'm sure many of your clients, if they have a question or whatever, they can come up, they can reach you and or hundred percent. Yeah. They could reach me at thinking like a bank.com. They can go there. They could schedule a time. They can send me an email. They can connect on our social media, all from thinking like a bank.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, just like me, cash tracks, financial.com. They can find yeah. me real easy. Uh, uh, and so that's the whole, that's the whole key. If you're going to work with a professional, whether yes. it's Sari or myself, how available is that professional? Yeah, granted, they're gonna we're gonna go on vacation, we're gonna take time off. That everybody does that, but in general, though, are they gonna be available to help to help you out to answer those questions, to be there for these, to help explain these concepts such as this, which to me is a fantastic concept uh, that definitely needs to be more widely known for individuals. Because I one of the points I really enjoyed that you mentioned earlier today, of course, is the the financial clout of the insurance companies, how much money the life insurance companies yeah. have within the country, as well as the fact uh, in one of your other podcasts, which I didn't realize this, how it was brought out of how the FDIC FDIC insurance really isn't as good as <laughs> as yeah. as the little sticker on the banks make it out to be. Makes me makes me really think. You know, I'd rather have my money with the insurance companies than the banks. 
because it's a whole lot safer to me it sounds like absolutely yeah definitely yeah yeah i mean but the well the one the one thing says like there's only like only one cent like for every dollar of some 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 low some low number i remember from that podcast i'm like wow yeah. didn't realize this but yet i got i got clients myself who i've at least been trying to do some money movement with but man they're just so into the banks they think yeah. the money is the safest in the banks there so yeah i yeah exactly there's i mean there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of conventional financial stuff that's out there that's not necessarily true um and i think that you know they people need like they need to listen to podcasts like this they need to read books they need to kind of step outside of the the parameters of conventional financial wisdom because it doesn't work and you see that every time there's a major recession or depression mm -hmm. you see that that's kind of what the you know the 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 wave shows it shows you know uh, that you know the the problems with traditional financial planning and mm -hmm. financial wisdom mm -hmm. yes so we definitely need to get get our box and get outside of our yeah. box don't be stuck in our box because there's a whole as they say get out of your little area. There's a whole bigger world out there and a lot yeah. of research. And there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of different opinions. And you mentioned a couple individuals who are well-respected and have their, their good advice, which I think they're, they're, they're everybody's is valid. It's just who's it valid for. <laughs> we can't yeah. just say, that's one thing I've always taken in this business is tax is that it's the same thing. Not the same tax advice is, is good for every person. So anyway, I do appreciate your time today, Sari. It's been fabulous. We've had a great conversation there. And so we're going to get this uh, posted up for all to be able to hear. And we're going to go ahead and get this wrapped up here. Hey, anybody have a call? You can give me a call. It's 844-394-4287. And it's also cashtracksfinancial.com with the email, success at cashtracksfinancial.com. It's certainly going to... Uh, Again, thanks, Ari, for the wonderful visit today. Thank you. And I thank for everyone for listening today to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge, Enrolled Agent. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week. Each year, you file taxes, save money, spend money, and run your business. You try to educate yourself and manage as much as you can on your own. But no matter how hard you search, trying to find the solutions right for you can lead to frustration and burnout. The traditional tax filing and bookkeeping approach no longer works. In a perfect world, the tax professional would work with you throughout the year so you have more time and energy to do the things you love. Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial believes you should focus on your job and have a partner to support you to take care of everything else. That is why we developed our personal success and business success bundles. Our clients achieve better results because we focus on more than just tax and bookkeeping stuff. We start with a no-cost mutual exploration meeting to determine if our success bundles are right for you. To schedule your free mutual exploration session, call 844-394-4287, email success at cashtracksfinancial.com or visit cashtracksfinancial.com.